Hey everyone, my name is Ricardo. I am a Venezuelan living in Prague, Czech Republic, working on launching and growing tech startups. On this podcast, I would like to share stories, struggles, lessons learned, and valuable resources from Xbox entrepreneurs like me, living in different parts of the world to inspire others to kickstart their dreams. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hello everyone, today we are having Dimitris, who is currently working as a lead director of Founder Institute Norway. And a part of this, he's doing plenty of other stuff we will be talking today. And he currently sits in Oslo, Norway, but he's originally from Greece and as well living in, in the US. So he has a really interesting story living in different parts of the world. So it could be it would be a really interesting chat today so welcome dimitris <laughs> thanks ricardo good to be here <laughs> so how are you doing yeah it's been uh, i've been i just came in from Drammen today where i'm i'm doing a phd and i'm and as you mentioned i'm based here in oslo so it's it's a reverse uh, commute because most people do the opposite i live pretty c- central here in oslo so okay I'm so glad that, yeah so the, the the train was really empty or it's good for that, right? Or not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, good. So Dimitris, I, I know that you are, well, personally, I know you and I know you are doing a lot of different stuff in, in your life at the moment. So maybe the first question is how, how do you define yourself um, <laughs> sure. based on all these roles and so on? Yeah. Uh, I would define myself as a polyglot globetrotter. Okay. Uh, I, I strive to understand people from various backgrounds and, and cultures. And I've also become fascinated with entrepreneurship. And that was a part when I was doing my MBA. We had a module on entrepreneurship and innovation. So I did that. It was a global executive MBA based here at Norwegian Business School here from Oslo, but also took me to other places. So we did Singapore. We were in Singapore module. It was a modular program. So Singapore. Instituto de Empresa in Madrid in Spain and UC Berkeley in California. And so I got re- I came back to Oslo. That was in 2015 after that innovation entrepreneurship uh, program. And I got really more and more involved in the startup ecosystem in Oslo. And so that's a big part of me as well. Okay, great. And so as you said, you made the MBA and then based on this, you started to be interesting entrepreneurship. So about... That is the Founder Institute your first role to support startups or? It is, it 100% is because along that way between 2015 and 2017, that's a two year gap where I was uh, just playing around with the ecosystem. I was with, uh, I was a member of committees for Norway International Network and we ran a couple of startup events and they were really interested, interesting, sorry. And then I went to to, um, uh, Tarian Startup Village and, and got involved in an event there as a participant. And along the way, met people who had been from Founder Institute mentors in other countries and just looked into it. And I thought, well, we should introduce this to, to Norway as well. And that's exactly what we did. Good. And before going deeper to the Founder Institute story, it's like, I, as in the intro, I said you were living in the U.S., uh, but as well you have origins in Greece. So how is how has been that journey? So to live yeah. in the U.S., maybe live in Greece or yeah, absolutely. Other countries? <laughs> so seven countries overall, 
So US, 17 years. And then I was off and on uh, when I did my bachelor's degree in both US and France, and also even went into the Soviet Union with a person-to-person exchange. So and that's when I started studying Spanish and I went to Central America for a summer as well. So actually I did like, by the time I finished university, I think I had studied six different languages. So um, it's a various degrees. And then I kept working on all of them except for Russian. My Russian is really bad. So I've got, I've got uh, those five stronger languages where I can work in plus the Norwegian language, which I just took uh, some tests in, I took the citizenship exam and passed that and we'll see the rest of it. So uh, this is where I have permanent residency. If you're wondering about the seven countries I've lived in, so I'm not counting just short um, sojourns, it's US, France, Spain, Greece, Taiwan, Philippines and Norway. Okay, so you have a really good power to learn languages and to adapt to different cultures, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you define yourself as a polyglot, right? So which, which languages are you currently able to speak? Uh, so the strongest ones are English, Greek, the French, Spanish, Italian, and then Norwegian is my sixth strongest. And then I've sometimes worked as a subject matter expert for people moving from families, moving from Brazil to Norway. And that was, has been, those assignments have been in Portuguese. I can also get by in Catalan. Dutch and German. And then when I lived in Taiwan, I started studying Mandarin as well. That was in 93, 93 to 95. So I'm conversant in Mandarin. Um, some other languages that I kind of speak a little bit of uh, would be Bahasa Indonesia, Bahasa Malaysia, Tagalog. And um, my Russian is really basic as well. Okay. And I guess you could say Swedish and Danish, because when you learn <laughs> a higher level of Norwegian, you get exposed to them along the way as well. Especially here in Norway, when you live here, you get a lot, especially Swedish news is on the national broadcast all the time. Danish is another story. It's easy to read, but much harder to understand. All right. Sounds really good. So you are really good on languages and is... This has helped you in your journey to adapt to every culture in every country or how? Yeah, I assume that not every part of the story has been like full of happiness, but there has been some challenges of the way, right? So, it's always a challenge yeah. with language and culture because there are always going to be differences and different customs and so on. It's, um, it's always funny just the different things like in um in in the soviet union you wouldn't dip your bread in the soup in italy you don't walk down the street eating eating uh eating something like trying to grab a sandwich and eat it just the different things those are the cultural things that you learn those pretty quickly and you don't do those things of course <laughs> in italy you don't put a hat on the table and so um in uh in in the eastern part, like in Lithuania, Latvia, old Soviet countries, you don't greet somebody through a doorway. You have to okay. either walk, they have to walk out or you have to walk all the way in. You wouldn't like go across the threshold and start shaking hands and, and greeting them and so on. Okay. Uh, a whole bunch of different things, you know. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of, those are superficial differences on so many levels. And then you get the deeper level. It's uh, a lot. You take this, you have to live there a long, long time and learn the codes and so on. And I think it's a never ending story. 
And it's almost, it's, it's sometimes impossible because you have the circumstances of all the different environments you're in. And I'm usually around international environments and I'm most comfortable where everybody's from different countries. And then okay. that way there's no dominant culture. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's somehow the easiest for me because it's just everything's happening. It's more exciting. Okay, so you believe that the Xbox community is kind of innovate more because they have more challenges, right? Like to, to It's an adapt. interesting way to put it. Uh, they definitely have to adapt. They have to survive. Got it. Yeah. They can't take anything for granted. Yeah. Okay, okay. And what has been your most, well, if you have most proud moment while you have been living abroad like let's say in norway or in other countries in norway i was very very proud in june of 2018 and which was the day um the last week of june when our first cohort graduated mm-hmm. that made me very proud of course doing the mba and and graduating and i and i got the surprise we were they had one uh, magne cum laude and three cum laude so i was one of the cum laude so opening up the diploma and seeing that when they delivered the diploma, that was, that was a proud moment as well. Mm-hmm. Good. And so, but till now you have run even more cohorts, right? Like how That's many right. Cohorts? I've been involved in a few now because uh, directly in Oslo three COVID came along during the third, I had introduced the Frankfurt Germany chapter and then helped them by having a language learning cohort tagged onto that virtually so I could beam in from Oslo to Frankfurt all the time and have language learning industry experts uh, and startups and, and scale-ups and businesses as mentors helping helping the cohort. So that was good. And then the next one was also a, um, a Nordic concept. So I was mentored especially by Helsinki and Toronto and the leader Janne Sariko in Helsinki and I so his team and I on our team some of us merged together and we had a Nordic cohort and now we're going into our next cohort so it will be a Norwegian cohort it'll be online and it will run from February to June I uh, know February to May sorry of next year okay okay so um just before jumping deeper into the founder institute I, I know that you have, as you mentioned, right, you have several passions, language, uh, maybe the PhD and other and Founder Institute. Uh, is there any other activities you do in your daily or weekly life? Uh, yeah, it's a good, or? a really good question. Um, so before COVID, I was a member here at the, uh, at the local um, area where we had a, uh, you have the swimming pool. Uh, and then you have the workout and you had a lot of uh, training centers and so on with uh, coaches and so on. It was really fun. And then COVID came along and then ultimately I decided to cancel my membership um, in August of last year. And I haven't, I haven't decided to go back yet to that. But um, So I've been biking a lot and doing some exercises at home. I think COVID changed things quite drastically on the way we do things. I also enjoy cooking. Um, uh, tonight I'm cooking uh, duck breast, so right now it's marinating uh, in a hoichin in a sauce and that I made uh, from scratch with uh, the other spices and ingredients and garlic and crushed and that all together. We have a we have thermomix machine, so it's easy to, to do things here and bake 
different things and cook different things. I like different kinds of food. Um, I like to sometimes reach out and experiment with something totally new. And then I have my old uh, favorites. Um, and yeah, I think, um, you know, bef also before COVID, I was, I was volunteering with the Society of Intercultural Education Training and Research and also with uh, the Polyglot Gathering. Right now, I think with the PhD, I've got a lot on my plate, so I've, I'm focusing on just Founder Institute and the PhD for now. Yeah, understood. So, yeah, I was wondering how do you manage your time? So <laughs> that would be interesting to know, like, uh, how do you handle everything? If you have any tips on that, that would be interesting. But um, It is good to turn off the phone sometimes and just talk, and have no notifications and just focus on one thing. Uh, that's really good. I, I think calendars are kind of funny because we all have our different calendars and I prefer iCal and then I never use the Microsoft Cal and then sometimes the, the Google calendar. I think it's important to have a, an overview of what you're doing. And so I like to, to have everything in one spot. So if I can just use the iCal, that's nice. And then, the, and then I can start the day before, remind myself what I'm doing the next day, pull up the calendar, like see the overview of the week whenever I want use different colors and so forth. And it becomes really visual. And I, and I think that just helps me get the overview. For the rest, I don't really have a plan uh, for time management. I just do what I can. But it's I also I think about priorities. I've had to drop things because I don't have the bandwidth to do everything. So I think it's also important to know when to let something go. If, if people are, you know, you get a lot of pressure from different people asking you different things and you just can't do it all. So you, it's better not to disappoint and do a bad job. It's better just to not do, do any commitment at all and just uh, focus. Right. So regarding the Founder Institute in Norway, uh, how did it start it? So how, how were you able to lead this chapter and, and get yeah. it started? Yeah. The number one thing is people. Uh, you can't do anything like this alone. You need people and partnerships are important. So for us, the headquarters was important. Their head headquarters in Silicon Valley, big support from the Silicon Valley team and locally, the different people, people like Paul Laveras, people like Bruno Peches, uh, the very early start and Raya Skoglan and also, uh, Alex Xi key people who really made it, uh, made it all possible at different phases because it all started in August of 2017. And then our first event was in January of 2018. And then associates at the time we had Faraz Ali as an associate and, uh, Ricard Rittenberg and also Sarah. Um, and these were associates when we were doing a lot of face-to-face -face meetings, they, they were key people who, who made things happen. Partners mm -hmm. like uh, Selmer Law Firm at the time and, and the Casbah Hub at the time uh, also, and Miles. And really important, if, you, if we didn't have these partners offering us these places to hold events and activities, we couldn't have managed it either. The current team, it's uh, really important to reach out and thank them. Faraz Ali has continued with us since the time as associate joining our leadership team and Nadia and in the second cohort, Hanata Pereira from Brazil. 
So lots of people that I have to thank because that's the real story is all of these people who, who put their time and effort together to, to help. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as a founder institute in Norway, what is, what problems are you trying to solve in the local ecosystem? Um, yeah. What do you see as a long-term vision? Of course, I assume that the global founder institute have some goals as well, but as well locally, you you have some some understanding of the ecosystem. So, mm -hmm. what are the yeah? What are you yeah. trying to do? Yeah. yeah, let's start with founder institute by by explaining how they fill in a particular gap because mm -hmm. there are a lot of programs that are either very very superficial and support uh, on a small level. They might be really fast and furious or just not go very deep or not push the founders very hard. And then there are other programs that are for more advanced founders that have already met product market fit or, or some level uh, of, of traction. But what about in between? Uh, there's not really anything. That's why I thought that we should introduce Norway. There's nothing really in this ecosystem that I could pinpoint that just had that particular gap where you might you might not have reached product market fit yet. You might have your first paying customer, but that doesn't prove. You probably need 25 of those customers or more to prove that you have product market fit. Um, a lot of people might just have a prototype or an MVP. Some people might only have an idea or just even three, four ideas and they don't know which one to go for. So whether you're one of those more advanced stages or one of these very, very early stages, we help uh, to, to give people structure, mentorship and network to get to the next level wherever they are. So I think that's the main point uh, there. And then of course, the long-term vision is to help People create businesses, businesses that help improve the quality of life on planet, on the planet. We, we've introduced the United Nations 17 sustainable development goals into the program. And we encourage everybody to implement this into the aspects of their business with the problems they're working to solve, with the way they do their human resources, with the way they hold their mentality when they move forward. And with regards to my PhD, it's also focusing on entrepreneurship and, and the main focus is a path for migrants to integrate into Norway and to become economically independent by an entrepreneurial path. So I'm studying that from an academic perspective and a practical perspective with the seeking to make recommendations to support programs here in Norway that are funded by the Norwegian state and so on, that, that then those programs can become even more powerful. Okay, sounds great. And based on the current cohorts you are running in the Founder Institute, what is, do you have any story of what has been the achievements that you are more proud of as a team, uh, a story from a startup or any connection that you were able to make? Yeah. I'm definitely very proud of Charlotte Ashim's startup, Total Control, from the first cohort. And it's inspiring to see the perseverance of her, of her uh, cohort's uh, colleague, uh, Selina, uh, who has Quadim, 
and inspiring to see the perseverance of Miguel Silva from the second cohort with Visualist. And the third cohort, uh, the we have there we have Nigel Iyer with B4 Investigate, and he's striving to eliminate fraud uh, from all of the all of the different locations and businesses where you have all of this leakage taking place. And I think these are inspiring, inspiring individuals, inspiring startups and concepts. And there are lots of um, lots of struggle that you might think, uh, that, and the perseverance that they have to overcome all of these challenges. And it's amazing to to see they just don't give up, regardless of the challenges they're facing. Good. And are you? Um... So in the process of the Founder Institute program, is there any specific um, story about how do they move from point zero to point one that, that, that you can tell us that you were able to connect with investors or you mm -hmm. help with a mentor? So yeah. it's... All three of those have the same in common. The ones I mentioned, I've introduced them to one of our investors in Canada. Uh, so Loyal VC, which I mentioned that Toronto helped mentor me to set up Founder Institute in Oslo. So they moved, their leader, um, Kamal Hassan, moved away from leading the Toronto chapter to setting up this venture capital fund. And so we started with Total Control and moved forward to other, other startups that we've introduced him to. And that's a great support because it's also mentorship. It's also advising and it's, it's the, it's the first initial part. They have an interesting concept with the, with the way they see VC. It's, it's, it's about we're doing the due diligence as the 14 sessions that we get to know the founders through the work they're doing and sharing with us on the platforms. And then we can make these referrals. And then in return, once they've accepted to to mentor and advise and invest in the startup, there's even more chance later for further investment. Uh, so it's like a trial investment. And later on, you could say like balloon investments that can take place depending on the traction that occurs and so on. And then in addition, we have other mentor networks. I've recently done this year, of course, Angel Challenge. So now I've become an angel investor. So through a training program from Startup Norway with a cohort of 20 people, all of us committed to invest in at least one of the startups. And they start with like a hundred plus startups that apply. And then they filter those down to 20 to introduce to us. And then we work with case studies through along with these startups doing due diligence process and training. And then making commitments to invest in some of them and if they nobody's committing then they are forced to drop out and and of the 20 angels two have to commit and become like the lead evangelist the lead investors for that particular startup and if the startup meets that kpi it continues and if it doesn't it drops out so we ended up with five uh, that ended up completing the last angel challenge by startup model Okay, um, based on your experience, well, we will go to Angel Investment after talking more about the startup founders and so on. 
um, in Founder Institute experience is do you, at least in the cohorts you have run till now, do you see a common issue that they are facing that maybe makes them to give up or so that maybe someone listening to us can avoid somehow or do you know so the question is what makes people give up yeah so what makes people (laughs) well yeah or what is the most common pattern to fail let's say in based on your experience in the startup ecosystem in norway well if you Mm -hmm. have some idea of this like okay um well i think i think it's easy to get distracted by something um like you might you might start a new family and i see i see people starting families and persevering but i see others starting families and not persevering so it really depends on the founder um uh, and i think there's a lot of circumstance behind all of that so it's it's too too difficult to pinpoint on that. And it's interesting because on the PhD, we had we had our um, orientation five weeks ago, and and that was the same thing they were talking about there. If you if you start a family while doing your PhD, you're much more likely to be delayed. They didn't say drop out; they said to be delayed. But I have seen I have seen um, uh, that be a main a main cause. Uh, but I wouldn't pinpoint it as a cause alone because I've also seen total opposite. Uh, in total disregard mm-hmm. of the fact that people have been starting families, they just persevere and just move right on through. I, I've seen people fail, you know, they might get second place at a tender and then that's difficult because they might, they might want to give up. Um, it's kind of the, what is the world telling us? What is the, we're not getting the customers mm-hmm. and so on. It's um, it's not easy and it's not perfect. It's difficult to to get there, and I, I think the ones who who are the most determined, they I think Charlotte is a really good example because of being the, so determined. Because she came in, she, her startup was between four and six months old when she entered our program, and she had a paying customer, but she lost the paying customer. But her vision was able to keep her persevering. Her vision is about food waste and solving food waste, eliminating food waste. And who has the problem? And I think that's a really important key. It's about understanding the problem. It's not about saying, I have a solution to help this digital supermarket eliminate food waste. It's about that I'm eliminating food waste. So who has the problem? The problem is food waste. We have food waste if we're throwing food out from our homes if you're running a food bank, if you're running a restaurant, if you're running a nursing home or a kindergarten, a municipality, a hospital, um, all of these people have the problem. So all of these people or organizations could be potential customers. And she's gone into that direction with all of these different possibilities with, with, the, with the issue being solving the problem. And I think that's what it's all about, understanding the problem at a high, at a really a great depth and understanding then who has the problem. How are they trying to solve the problem? What's the implication of the problem not being solved? So then you understand the magnitude of the problem. And then understanding the next part, we talked about the customer segment. So Charlotte as a, as a good key point, the availability of that customer segment. So there might be a particular customer which is perfect customer you think but if they're not available to you 
you have to focus on other customer segments. And then, of course, the inclination to buy. Um, you might have a perfect customer segment, but then they're not inclined to buy. You have to move on and find the ones that will actually pay. So because it's all about you have to earn revenue as well from this and, and make a profit in the long run. Yeah, it's clear. Um, so if you under if I understood you well, you mean that a lot of people uh, fail because of my, uh, of course, is they need to, of course, persevere because there is a lot of challenges. So is maybe something that the Founder Institute can help with mentors who are focused on mindset or how to persevere is something you are doing in the, or you are planning to do? Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't, uh, we haven't been talking about it as much. It's a good uh, post-program uh, concept for us as well. At Founder Institute, we always try to get people into the next, the next level, the next support, and encourage them to not only the opportunities that we share with them, but also encourage them to, to network as a cohort, to stay in touch as a cohort, and to reach out to the groups within their industries as well for the levels of support that can, can help them. And so to the extent that all of that's working, that can help the people to persevere as well. But we haven't, we haven't beyond this context, we haven't actually entered into a, a program, a perseverance program, <laughs> shall we say, but it's an interesting concept to look into. Yeah. Yeah. Something to take in account, maybe an idea to, to develop. Yeah. Um, so now let's go to talk about angel investment. Um, maybe do you, how is the ecosystem or how developed it is the ecosystem in Norway? Um, Norway is really, really developing well. And the tax um, program in Norway is now gotten to a point of supporting angel investment uh, very well. So when you invest, uh, the amount of 30,000 Norwegian crowns or more in a particular startup that is a Norwegian registered startup, then they're giving some tax relief to a certain extent as well based on that. So they, they have a lot of automation in Norway. So the responsibility of the startup that you invest in, provided that it has a valuation, if it's a pre-valuation, so there's, a there's another level of paperwork for that. And that's, that's again an example of how well there's support in the, in Norway for angel investing because the paperwork which was developed by Startup Lab has become the template for this kind of activity. So pre-evaluation investments versus investment when you actually receive shares. So when you actually receive shares in an investment, then that's where you get the tax uh, benefit uh, in Norway for the amount of 30,000 Norwegian crowns or higher. As for the pre Evaluation investments. Once that, once that rolls into an evaluation uh, where there is a valuation, then it rolls into where you get your shares, and then it can take place in the future if the startup succeeds uh, to get there. Yeah. So, I think that's a really good point. And this, these are all new initiatives. And the last government made these initiatives. They made made it part of a reform. Made it part of a clear interest in. Not only having Norwegian invest in real estate, which was the most common thing, or just the stock market and so on, but also investing in the future, recognizing that startups create jobs, create, create innovative, innovative products and solutions and services, and that this is a part of the future 
Yeah, um, and the ecosystem have a lot of busy firms at the moment, or do you think it's really focused in really early stage startups, or there are more companies pushing towards Series A, B, or any other? It's growing. Yeah. It's a very growing ecosystem, and there are a couple of initiatives that have taken place within the last couple of years. The one initiative is from Startup Norway, and if you want to open a VC fund, you can apply, and then they'll talk to, they'll talk with you about the the price of the program, and and they'll assure that your application is really solid so that you'll succeed. And another program is from Founder Institute called VC Lab. So last year, we had our second cohort of VC Lab and one of our mentors applied for that, got in and passed. And it's a really, a really strenuous program. So they cut off the applications. They got like 2,000 applications and they couldn't process them anymore. And then they accepted, um, I think they accepted like uh, 200 or something of them. And then I think 71 graduated from the program or something like that, if I recall the stats. And so it's great to see that one of our mentors was one of them. And so now we get to enter into, uh, we get to test a proof of concept between Founder Institute and their venture program. So their program is called Digital Well Ventures. It's about digital health solutions. And these solutions are, are actually a key uh, for helping people with health, uh, tracking health, staying healthy, uh, returning to health and so on. So, so this is a great, a, a great way for us to tie things in on the levels of support as well, because they probably reject about 90% of their applicants. And so our program can help get many of those applicants ready for success. And then we would be able to uh, to move this along so that um, so that in this respect we we support the people at the next level because then they enter into this program where they would get the additional mentorship, the additional training support network, and and it's spot on in the industry, which creates a, a greater focus plus the investment. This is a good uh, a good way to to look at focusing on the local founder institute chapter and its future um, and strengthening it by deepening it into a, a, a specific vertical. Okay, and if someone wants to start this journey as an angel investor, what, what would be your recommendation? What information to look for or what institutions to follow? Not necessarily only in Norway, but it's like, uh, what, what would be your recommendation? Yeah, I would recommend you check with the, the local, uh, local institutions that support angel investor training. Here in Norway, there's um, there's Nordic Business Angels and, and there's Startup Norway Angel Challenge. In other countries, it would be totally different, of course. Um, in the case of if you're global, um, there are a couple of interesting ways as well. In the case of um, Founder Institute, you could become a mentor for Founder Institute anywhere in the world, and then you'll receive opportunities for angel investment. So they'll do the select portfolio. And then you would simply invest in that select portfolio at a certain amount. And then 
you would be investing and in 25 companies. So that's a quick, easy way to diversify your portfolio early on. And then they would, they would look at the portfolio as it moves along and they might drop, drop, drop out and drop and bring in new, new startups. So you'd actually be in more than 25 over time because you get, you get that management from, from Founder Institute. So that's another way. Another is, um, is VC, uh, sorry. Another is uh, Loyal VC, which I mentioned. They have webinars about angel train angel angel training as well. There's also the book by Jason Calacanis called Angel, which is a good book to read because uh, he because Jason shares a lot of his thoughts about angel investing, a lot of interesting insights about about his opinions on on startups, about how he prepares, how he does his due diligence, how he analyzes and thinks about it. But he gives a big emphasis to Silicon Valley. He thinks that that's. Mm. That's what it's all about. If you want to make it big, he says, uh, go to the Silicon Valley and live there <laughs> and build up the network. You know, you have the angel list and so forth. So then you're building up your reputation around all of this. So it's really about what, where you see yourself in this and what is your ambition. For me, I'm, I, my ambition is to invest in the Norwegian companies and, and, and support things here locally, not, not to run off the Silicon Valley and so on. <laughs> So it, it depends. So I think another point is to understand a little bit about make, make your own thesis, if you will, just like a venture capital firm would make a thesis. You might want to consider your own thesis. What kind that would be like, what kind of team would you want to invest in? What kind of product or service would you want to invest in? What kind of industry? And by this, you would be able to also have a focus. Do you want to enter onto board? level advisor level positions with them or do you want to only only be um, the angel because there's a lot an angel should offer ideally above and beyond just giving some money but it's also access to network access to access to advice that makes sense sound industry background and experience is all really much appreciated by any startup so i think these are some good points to consider as well and then of course uh, depending on where you're based, then you have the legal requirements as well with the with the status that you have. Um, for example, there in the U.S., you have the accredited investor status and, and whatnot. So through the organizations that you might be involved in, then just check those out and look into any legalities of it as well. Okay, okay. And based on your current experience, um, what are the most interesting? let's say parameters that you like to evaluate when you are um, thinking about an investment in in any startup is uh, i'm of course more specifically talking about early stage started in pre-seed or seed investment um yeah if you're thinking about investing um obviously as an angel at the pre-seed stage then I highly recommend, especially when you're brand new, joining a force. I like the fact that I joined a training force. I was a part of a, a program with a cohort of 20 people. And I think that was a real important key to me being comfortable doing this. For me, if I'd only read the book, which I'd, I'd read, you know, Angel by Jason Pelicanis or taken the Venture Deals course and and read the Venture Deals book, you know, the Kaufman Foundation Tech Stars course and all that. 
which I finished a few years ago. To me, that wasn't enough to make me comfortable. This idea of being a part of a cohort, having dialogues, having we were having mentors, uh, mentors about due diligence and so forth, and we were having discussions as 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 small teams, and and then large group, you know, the, the plenum session with all twenty of us. This was really important, and I think for anybody interested in this, this can be a really valuable experience if you can find something similar to this in the market where you're living. And I think also that's why why uh, Loyal VC is an interesting idea because they have webinars and they have investors all over the world. And that's a, that's a good way. So if you meet their requirements, then you could consider that because that would be another way for you to to join that kind of a force where where it's not just about you one-on-one -on -one trying to sort your way through this these crazy oceans you know these rough waters yeah i understand and yeah it's always good to join people and of course to to be together and try to join force and understand the different perspective and maybe you learn from those other perspectives how they are evaluating startups and so on right yeah absolutely that's the main the main thing because because it's really hard on your own to you just have to you just have to focus and use some tools and everything but when you get to talk with other people about it and you have these levels of exchange then i think it becomes much richer yeah and in the specific case in startup norway are you um basically uh, part of the alumni network and late, later you will be part of later on deal flows or how Yes, you keep that's, a, that's a great bonus of this as well. It is indeed. So precisely what happens next is we had a meeting last month. Uh, so about two thirds of the cohort attended. And it was great because we were only online with COVID. And then we finally had a, an event where we could be together, uh, physically, social, physically distanced event. And we could meet each other for the first time face to face in many cases. And this was great. Uh, it gave us, you know, they gave us updates and that's the next step. So they're moving in, they have further angel challenges planned. And so that's one part. And then they have a, another program like your flow programs that we can, we can uh, be a part of as well. So this is good to see. Yeah. Sounds great. So you really recommend, for example, the startup challenge or sorry, is Angel Challenge, Angel right? Challenge yeah. Angel if Challenge. someone is interested in this in Norway. Yeah, yeah. highly recommend it, yeah. Good. Um, last questions we will make now is, in general, uh, what podcasts or books you you read or recommend uh, for mm -hmm. someone who started a tech startup or any business? Yeah, there are four books I can think of that are really interesting. Um, well, actually five, because two are by Mash, uh, Ash Maura. So he wrote Running Lean and he wrote Scaling Lean. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Eric Ries, uh, Lean Startups, a classic, and Guy Kawasaki's Art of the Start 2.0 is, is a classic. I think Negotiations is always a good thing, so Getting to Yes. Uh, that's a good book, Roger Fisher and, and William Rudy. But um, do you remember the name of the author who wrote the, um, the one about the beachhead market? Um, the entrepreneur. Uh -huh. um, it's, it's that's the, a really good book, but it's not coming into my head at the moment. Yeah, me neither. It's not about the blue, blue ocean. Not the blue ocean strategy. That's uh -huh. that's interesting as well. 
but yeah, there's one, there's one uh, called the, the the something entrepreneur, and it's all about the beachhead market and how to find your beachhead market. And I'm just sorry it's not rolling off my tongue at the moment. As for podcasts, um, I think podcasts. I'm all over the place with podcasts, but I like the Shifter podcast mm-hmm. because it's it's a Nor- it's in Norwegian language. It's uh it's about the startup ecosystem here in Norway. Um, but beyond you know there there all these. I'm overwhelmed by podcasts and I listen to podcasts in all these different languages. And um, I listen to pod- this. Sometimes there's innovation in Dutch. If you subscribe to NRC, uh, NRC.nl in, in the Dutch language, you can get some uh, some interesting aspects about future because they have this whole thing about like future trends and mm-hmm. so on. I think that's interesting. Economist is a good one for podcasts as well. If, if you're interested in like different trends and, and, and the, you know, the global, what's going on around the world and so on, I think those are good, but podcasts are always something, something pretty overwhelming because there's so many of them. I don't even have an overview. Hmm. Yeah. And of course there is more and more podcasts and of course you need to select one or, or two that you follow and that you like the subjects that they are discussing and so on. Right. Yeah. Um, just as a last point for today, so um, how can people reach you out and if they have any questions or any connections that maybe they could ask you, uh, reach you out? Yeah, yeah the, the easiest way to reach me would be via LinkedIn. So just, um, just look for me on, on LinkedIn and then uh, just make sure to explain uh, that you heard this interview. And then go ahead and send, a, a, you're not only allowed a certain number of characters, so it has to be super short. <laughs> so just mention that you heard me on the Upper Sky podcast and then, and then say, you know, um, I'd like to, to reach out to you and, and then send me the connect uh, request. That would be the easiest, I think, because then I'd get the notification and okay. follow up. Yeah. So thank you very much, uh, Dimitris. I don't know if you have any other comments before we go, but uh, it was really helpful to listen to you, your story, your, your life, and how you have been working in several aspects of your life and professionally as well. So really glad to talk to you and I hope you enjoy it as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Looking forward to to uh, keeping in touch with you in the next cohort where you've been mentoring as well for us. And we appreciate all the support you've been giving us as well. So thanks. Yes, you're welcome. Hopefully I can collaborate even more. So <laughs> thanks for, for working on the Founder Institute and continue with the work. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Have a good one. See you. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have gained valuable insights that you can apply just after listening to this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.